grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation on this Palm Sunday is the Gospel reading from Luke, his account of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And I want to explore this event through the lens of one of our Palm Sunday hymns, written about 200 years ago, Ride On, Ride On in Majesty. We'll listen to the hymn stanzas throughout the sermon, and you can follow the hymn text in the documentation in front of you. And then afterward, we'll join together and sing the hymn. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem to take part in the Passover celebration with his disciples, and his approach to the city becomes a celebration in itself. Jesus has told his disciples to get the donkey for him to ride on, and this might seem a little odd to us, but if we look at 1 Kings chapter 1, we see that there is precedent for this, as David's son, Solomon, is crowned king and presented to the people. From 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 38 to 40. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. And then, many years later, when the prophet Zechariah speaks about the coming of God's Messiah, he writes, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus riding on the donkey then, as he enters Jerusalem, is a proclamation that he is indeed the Messiah. He is the king, like Solomon, coming to the city of kings. And notice that as this king enters Jerusalem, well, where does he go? He should go to the palace. And as the rightful king, he should kick Herod out. He should kick Pilate out, too, for that matter. But where does he go instead? He goes to the Temple Mount. And there he drives out the sellers of the animals, saying, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And then see that Jesus is the only lamb left in the temple. the tribes Hosanna cry. Hosanna is a Hebrew word that means save us now. In the New Testament the word only appears in the Gospels 
and only then in reference to what was shouted by the crowd as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. The term has definite messianic ties. Psalm 118 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords. The people are shouting, Hosanna, save us, Jesus, Messiah. But they have no idea how he will accomplish it. Not in their wildest dreams will they imagine that he will be bound with cords to the altar of the cross to be himself the sacrifice that will save them from their sins. His whole life has been headed down this road to the cross to suffer and to die to atone for the sins of the world and to destroy the power that death holds over the people. This is the road Jesus will pursue with palms and scattered garments strode. Jesus rides into Jerusalem astride a borrowed colt. He is a king coming into his kingdom. He'll be crowned, though with thorns that will make him bleed. He'll be mounted on his throne, the cross, and this is how he will triumph over sin and death. We sometimes look at Easter morning as the time or the event that triumphs over death for us. But we should remember that it is his death on the cross that gives us our victory over death. The wages of sin is death, Paul writes. When Adam sinned, all died. Our sin is the problem. Our sin needs to be taken from us so that death will not be the victor. And that is exactly what Jesus has done. In lowly pomp, ride on to die. The cross is our symbol of victory over death because it's here that Jesus shattered its power. Death can no longer claim us for its own. Our sins have been forgiven by the atoning sacrifice of the Son of God. And his resurrection from the dead on Easter morning is God's stamp of approval. The atoning work of the sacrifice is complete. 
Jesus rises, triumphant over sin and death, over grave and devil. And his resurrection is a foretaste of our own. The angels have been involved with Jesus during his entire life. An angel appeared to Mary, his mother, saying that she would bear in her womb the very Son of God. An angel spoke to Joseph. Angel hosts proclaimed his birth to the shepherds. They warned the wise men, sent the blessed family to Egypt. Angels ministered to Jesus after his temptation. And even when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he is in anguish, even there an angel ministers to him. But in his last hours, as he hangs on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, the angels are held back by God the Father. They delight to serve Jesus. They have delighted to serve him before he took on our flesh and became man. But now, when his need is greatest, the Father says, Hold! And they are amazed as they look on. They watch with sad and wondering eyes to see what? To see the approaching sacrifice. Jesus is the great high priest. He is the one offering the sacrifice, as the priests have been doing in the temple and in the tabernacle for 1,400 years. When God first brought Israel to Mount Sinai and described in the law how the priests should offer sacrifices to God for the sins of the people. And where are sacrifices first mentioned in the Bible? Go all the way back to Adam and Eve's first children, to Cain and Abel, where we're told that Cain and Abel were both offering sacrifices to God. So the idea of sacrifice was around thousands of years before the temple and the tabernacle. But there was a sacrifice of a sort in the Bible even before the story of Cain and Abel. Remember when God came to the garden to walk with Adam and Eve and he found them hiding among the trees, trying to hide their shame because they had sinned against God and eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. But it is God who will cover their shame. It is God who will clothe them. He could have done that in any number of ways, but do you remember how he does it? He clothes them with animal skins. What a constant reminder that they have brought death on themselves. 
It was a constant call to repentance and a reminder to look forward in faith to the one whom God promised would come to crush the head of the serpent, that deceiver. Even before God fashioned the clothing of skins for Adam and Eve, he had promised that one would come, one of Adam and Eve's own race, who would redeem them from sin and shame, from death and the power of the devil. That's victory talk. But what was hidden for ages, what makes the angels look on with sad and wondering eyes, is that this one will come, not only as a priest to make the atoning sacrifice, but as the sacrifice himself, offering his own life for ours, through death conquering death. Here now he approaches, the sacrifice of God's own choosing, to cover us and our sin with blood. Thy last and fiercest strife is nigh. As Jesus enters Jerusalem to the praises of the people, the celebration has all the makings of a victory parade. Like the kings of old, like King David returning to Jerusalem after a great victory over the enemy. But Christ's fiercest strife, his greatest battle, is yet to come, though only a few days from now. The son rides into the city on a donkey, and the father, on his sapphire throne, awaits the return of the son, when he will bear to the father the atoning blood of sacrifice. And between these two events looms the cross. A pastor once said, Adam took humanity away from God and gave it to the devil. The sacrifice of Christ takes humanity from the devil and gives it back to God. That's what the Father on his throne is waiting for. And Jesus is not coming back to the Father alone. He's bringing us home with him.
Then take, O God, thy power and reign. Then take, O God. This is not God the Father. It's not God the Father taking his power and reigning. But here God refers to the Son, who makes the sacrifice as our great high priest, who returns to the Father bearing his own sacrificial blood, blood that atones for the sins of the world, who then is seated at the right hand of God, the right hand being the hand of power, and he is seated there to reign over his kingdom forever. Jesus says after his resurrection, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Having laid aside his glory and having humbled himself, having emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's how Paul put it in our reading from Philippians. Each verse of our hymn has begun, Ride on, ride on in majesty. And where is Jesus' majesty revealed? Today, Palm Sunday, we get just a glimpse of that majesty as he rides into the city of David, as he is hailed as King, the Son of David, the Messiah. As the palms are waved and the clothes are strewn on the ground, and the Pharisees say, Stop this, Jesus. And Jesus says, If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And the majesty that we see today on Palm Sunday is majesty with a little m. This is lowly pomp. In John's Gospel, right after the triumphal entry, some Greeks come and ask to see Jesus. And Jesus says this in response, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus rides to the cross. And this is the moment that he is glorified. This is the moment of his majesty. As the Son of God submits to being scourged and spat upon, a crown of thorns shoved down onto his head, 
as he submits to the mockery and the derision of men, and as he is nailed with spikes to the tree of the cross and is lifted up from the earth, and after hours enduring anguish and pain and the face of the Father turned away from him, he gives up his life to the Father and dies. And this is great victory. Not one sin of all humanity of all time, from Adam to the final trumpet at the end of the age, not one sin remains to be punished. His own blood has paid the price for each one of them. Humanity has been redeemed. You have been redeemed. One more thought for this Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem points to an even greater event. John sees a vision, and he records it for us. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God. And this vision of John's, this future event foretold in the book of Revelation, is the fulfillment of Palm Sunday. And because of God's grace, because of His great love demonstrated at the cross, we will be there with palm branches in our hands, crying out with countless saints, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We pray. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for a sinner like me. Thank you for your victory over my sin, over my shame, over my death. Thank you for making a way by your blood for me to return to the Father. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.